0: all right welcome back to another episode of solidarity first of all big shout out to all the listeners out there that have been supporting we really love y'all and appreciate y'all keep listening especially because we have some new things coming with the podcast now let's get right into it this episode is inspired by something that happened to me recently as i was hanging out with friends sitting around shooting the breeze uh, somebody threw out the question hey Who would jump down in the Metro Rail train tracks for a $100 bill and only five minutes left before the train comes? Now, some people were like, yes. Some people were like, no. Most people were like, eh. Now, me. Without hesitation. I said, not only would I do that, I would jump down in the Metro Rail train tracks for a $20 bill with only two minutes left. To that, most people were like, oh, no, nah, man, no way. That's crazy. I'd never do that. Nah, man, you, you must be some type of daredevil or something. And at that point, I didn't really feel like I was a daredevil or a risk taker. I mean, I could just use an extra $20. Now, despite some of the scrutiny, it did get me to think, what is risk and how do we assess it?
1: Solidarity is more than just name. It's the radical idea that every story holds profound spiritual truth about the world we share. In each episode, we invite diverse and creative guests to reflect on the most important questions of our lives. So whether you're listening on your morning commute, your lunch break, or late at night, whether you're religious, spiritual, or just passionate about living a good life, we're glad to have you with us in solidarity.
2: Our first guest this episode is Onyekon Udofia, a local artist who is well known, not only to those of you in Washington, D.C., but anyone who has visited Washington, D.C., for that incredibly famous mural that he painted right on the corner of Ben's Chili Bowl depicting President Obama, Bill Cosby, and a number of other folks. We asked Onyekon about what type of risk he took to go into the arts in the
3: first place. The way I started was back home um, for, I went to boarding school. So for pocket money, I would go, I I started noticing a lot of people were opening barbershops back then. And it's not traditional barbershops like you would see here, over there is like such and such barbershop. But the idea is they have a chair and a clipper. So, and a cloth. But I noticed they were writing a lot of their signs by hand and it just said barber here. So what I did was I went and found wood and I would paint like someone cutting hair, and it actually became um, the norm in my town. So anybody who wanted a barbershop open, they would come to me, you know, and then, you know, they kind of tied, and this is where the spiritual part comes in, like kind of tied it with good luck, like, oh, if he does your sign, then you're gonna succeed. So that was where the conflict came with my parents, because they were like, who are all these guys showing up at our house looking for you? Like, what are you doing out there really, you know? So. It was, you know, till this day, it's still like a big, you know, it's still, to them, it's still abstract. Like, I still don't get why, you know, like you're just painting stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you eat from that? And you go, you know, I can do commissioned works on walls. And they're like, yeah, but the now it's turned into the prestige. Like, how prestigious is that? Do they give you awards? Do you, you know, things like that.
0: So... Personally, I could really appreciate where Anyekan was coming from, especially having Nigerian parents and trying to tell them that you want to do art. Like that's a big risk in and of itself. And so with that, I wanted to know what inspired him to pursue this career. And um, he gave us just that.
3: My inspiration came from hip hop. So, first of all, that's, you know, scratch that off the list. So, you know, you have Nigerian parents and they're like, what is this hip-hop you are talking about? You know, (laughs) so you're over there like trying to explain to them like, no, but through this culture, there is a lot of things, including uh, like, I'm not going to become a rapper, but I can do illustrations for their covers. And they're like, "Uh, how are these guys going to pay you? Look at how they look. So that the (laughs) dealing with that, it was just a show and prove thing.
2: Anyekan has worked really hard to show and prove himself, and he certainly is very well respected as an artist in this city. At the same time, success isn't always easy. And so I was curious to hear about the risks that are involved in being successful.
3: It's it's funny because you become what you've always feared. You know, you have to extract yourself from the public now. With this generation-like thing, it's like, yo, I got these much amount of followers I got these much people But what you don't know is that that's more eyes on you so what are you doing really you know they they're they're creeping right behind you they're watching you if you're not good at what you do there's someone who's good at what they do, and they're right behind you, and they're looking, and so what? all they have to do is wait for that little opening where they slide in, and boom, and that's where the risk-taking comes in with who you're collaborating with, who you're doing shows with, and so on, because those people don't always have the best intentions. They are watching you, and they wanted an opportunity to say, I'm better than this dude.
0: So it sounds like Anyekan has a lot of choices to make about risk and though we don't all have to think about who we collaborate with uh, we all have to make certain choices about the risks that we decide to take so I asked him how does he assess the risk in his life uh,
3: when it comes to risk it depends on it, it, it boils down to choices that's how I evaluate risk um, what is this choice and what's gonna come out of it um, for instance I'm gonna just paint an abstract picture here you you need a ride and the person picking you up arrives. When you hop in the car, there's a gun on the car seat, on the uh, passenger seat. So the, your friend goes, oh, oh my bad, can you put that under the seat? At that point, that's when you have to make that choice. Like, do I not get in the car and be late and absent from where I'm going? Or do I get in this car and, you know, let whatever happens, you know? So that's how the risks are and it's the same thing with for, on the other hand, with the choices on a brighter note, it's like there's a group show going on. And this group show has a bunch of up and coming or younger artists. Um, and then there's this other group show where it's like, you know, there's a lot of well-known artists. The risk, the way I divide it is, do I go to this young and up and coming and be the star? Or do I go to this one and test out my abilities? Is it, is it gonna be in your favor or not?
2: Anykan is careful to take the context and the situation seriously before deciding whether to take a risk or not. At the same time, without a doubt, Anyekan is clearly someone who values risks, who sees risk-taking as a good thing. And so we wanted to know why is that? Why do you value risk
3: so much? I gauge risk to be movement as spring, spring cleaning, you know, you you go and that's why that's the way I move and you'll see those risks in my work because I'm testing a lot of um, questioning a lot of things like I am from Nigeria and the village b-boy has nothing to do with oh the cultural Nigeria but rather it's like I'm taking Nigeria but I'm juxtaposing it with hip-hop and people would look at it and go Well, why don't you look at, you know, because other people, the people who don't want to take the risk are already doing what you want me to do, which is paint traditional Nigeria, women carrying babies on their back and baskets on their head. But the Nigeria I was in was a risk because they used to call us what's up, boys. And like, like, what are you guys doing, spinning on the floor and rapping? Like, what is this what's up thing you guys are doing? So it made no sense at all like people we used to look at it like why are you you look like you're catching a seizure what is this rapping? it's called rapping, you know and, and a friend of mine from israel told me there's a store over there um and it's called top style you know it's like top style you know but, but then, and when you go there you see like all the hip-hop jeans and t-shirt like it's even jeans called hip-hop you know, locally made, so it's called hip hop jeans. You know, and th- that's the village b boy. You know, that's how because that's what the village b boy is about. It's just showing that intermingling of culture. You know, speaking of risk, hip hop is a risk because when it started, it was just these guys going out there and plugging their system to the lamppost and starting this party. Now they stood a risk of sh- uh, people shutting that down and saying, "Yo, this is this can't happen." Because of that, think about it, that, some, you know, this guy, he has a job on the weekend, he went out there, or it's mostly teen culture, so they probably live with their parents and they took their pocket money, bought all the systems, plugged it in at the park, and now instead of that, we have a concert, a hip-hop concert, you know?
0: It was interesting to hear Onyekon add a cultural context to risk-taking, and uh, I like how he infused hip-hop into his description. Uh, it's also impressive to hear how he uses risk and how he sees risk as a source of potential inspiration. Let's hear what he had to say.
3: You're not taking a risk for yourself, you're also doing it for others. So someone, when someone sees that you did it and you went through the obstacles, then they go, why, wouldn't, why can't I do it? You're a source of inspiration.
2: Our second guest this episode is Stephanie Halligan. And before I tell you what she does, what she's passionate about, I want to let her tell the story of how she ended up doing what she currently does. And so I asked her, when was that point when she decided to take a huge professional risk?
4: The moment in my life when I recognized that something needed to change dramatically and I needed to to shift everything and I think take a risk that was out of the ordinary and a little bit of uncertainty on the other side was when I felt like I had everything um, on paper that looked really good. And there was a piece inside of me that didn't feel good about it. So I had on paper the perfect job. I had on paper a wonderful relationship. I had on paper a great place to live. Um, and that the paper wasn't, I think, feeding me in a way. And once I think that I I saw all the pieces in place and I saw life on the outside looking really arguably wonderful and feeling not that on the inside, that's when I realized I needed to change something big.
0: All right, so we're almost ready to tell you what Stephanie decided to do. Uh, before we get to that, we want to know what happened to her in that moment before making such a critical life decision.
4: It's hard to, I think, articulate it because you, what you are grappling with in that moment is this is good. And, and I think you question the struggle on the inside first and not your external circumstances. You you ask yourself, what is it about me that's not loving and enjoying this great life that I have or or anything like that? So you start to question that first before the external, when really listening to your intuition and your gut and when you feel like it's not right, that's when you know you need to take some big action with the external, I think.
2: All right, you've been patient, so here's Stephanie finally telling us about the risks that she took.
4: In the span of about three months, I decided to quit my job, start my own business, leave a relationship that wasn't serving me, move to a new apartment. That was kind of the first part of my risk-taking journey, which was essentially kind of wiping the canvas clean and starting from scratch.
2: So given this blank slate, Stephanie was able to take her experience in financial education and literacy and fuse it with her passion for the creative arts, specifically cartooning. It's a risk that she took that since has turned out to be a really successful risk. But we didn't want to stop there. We were curious to hear about other risks that she's taken in her life that maybe didn't turn out as well.
4: So I think I've always considered myself a risk-averse person. I'm a very calculated person. I'm a planner. So when I think about risks that I took that didn't pan out, It's funny because I don't think I can think of any because I've only really stepped into a space where I'm comfortable taking risks. And I can actually think of a lot of places in my life where I wish that I'd taken a risk instead. And some of them are are larger. Um, Some of them are about kind of my career trajectory early on. And I think stepping into my artistic passion in a really powerful way earlier on in my life um, and some of them are really small. Like I, I wish I had said something to that stranger on the bus because something called to me to, to comment on something they were doing or something they said, or some, or just their persona and their energy and their vibe. So for me, I, I recognize moments where I even the small risks that I regret not taking.
0: The risks that we don't take in life say just as much about us as the risks that we do take in life. And so I wanted to know from Stephanie, what does she tell herself when she's approaching a risk that she knows is important, but feels that she may not have the courage to take?
4: I think the moment that you declare the intention, you say it, you put in your notice, you you move, it, the the declaration is the first moment of change. And after that is the journey to find out, well, what is the destination that I'm getting to? Um, and. Again, I think for me, I know even just starting my business, a couple weeks before I put in my notice to my job, I just remember sitting there going, I can't quit because I don't have a printer or scanner. Mm-hmm. And and that was, I think, these small things that were holding me back That um, that I realized were excuses that I was putting in front of myself because I wanted things to be completely certain and completely perfect on the other side. And I realized that Step one was actually making the decision, and then the journey began from there.
2: Stephanie's journey has not only been a professional journey, it's also been a profoundly personal, we might even say spiritual journey. And so we were curious to hear about what impact this risk has had on her sense of self, her spiritual well-being.
4: What I realized is when I Oh, I made a move in my life to step into my own happiness and find this source of self-love and unconditional compassion for my own self um, that I'd never given myself the space for and I'd never really found before. Once I started doing that, everything else around me shifted and I felt like I unlocked this other space in life. And there was so much love around me in the universe. I found this source that that I could tap into, and I felt like I could share that love with everyone else. And so it was really, I think, through taking a risk to assert my own personal happiness that I found there was so much love and happiness everywhere else around me.
0: So we gave Stephanie the last word of the interview, but not necessarily the last word of the show. So stay tuned. Uh, in her final word, we asked Stephanie to tell us how did she know when her risk was all worth it?
4: I remember when I was in the grip of changing everything. And I was um, visiting my brother who lives in Seattle. And I remember um, just crying and with him. And and just scared to move forward and make some big changes in my life. Uh, And he looked at me and he said, you know what? There will be a day where you will be just lying in bed in your new place, in your own space, with your own life and your own career. And you will look up in the ceiling and you'll raise your fists in the air. And you'll just be like, yes, I am here and I did it. Uh, And I remember trying to hold on to that feeling and imagine what that would feel like and carrying it with me when I made those big changes in my life. And it didn't come for five or six months, but there was a moment where I was walking around in my neighborhood late at night, listening to music, looking up at the stars. And I felt like the, all the pieces had clicked and I got home and I was lying in bed and the tears came to my eyes and i remembered what my brother said, and I kind of raised my fists in the air and just felt like, yeah, I did it.
0: So all of this talk about risk definitely has me questioning what it means in my life. Uh, Going back to that story of jumping down in the metro for $20, $100, doesn't matter the amount. I think what matters most from listening to the guests on our show is how much you believe in yourself. Now, for me, I believe in myself enough to whereas I can jump down into the metro and come back up in way less than two minutes. Um, much like Khan believed that he could sell his artwork to rappers and magazines and, and Stephanie believed that she could make a difference in people's lives with her knowledge in finance. Uh, And that's really what it all boils down to when we assess risks. So the risk in our lives are usually determined by what we believe in ourselves. And I think Stephanie spoke to that very well.
2: And on that note, maybe the first risk that we take is the risk to know ourselves, to truly know ourselves, to be honest with ourselves about what we're capable of, about what we're not, about where we're skilled, about where we're not about what our passions are, about what our passions aren't. And then after we have taken that self-inventory to stretch ourselves, to push ourselves, as you were saying, Osa, to believe in ourselves, having equipped ourselves with that knowledge of what we're currently capable of, pressing ourselves to wonder what we might be able to achieve.
1: Solidarity is created by The Sanctuary, a diverse arts community with soul, located in Washington, D.C. If you live in our nation's capital or if you're traveling to the area, come join us and meet some of the people behind the voices you hear. You can find all of our upcoming events as well as information about getting involved in our community on our website at
2: thesanctuaries.org.